This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Ah, good morning, everyone. Yeah, students up there. Good morning. Yeah, hey, give them a hand. You know, I just learned, I was talking to the leadership team, the student leadership team just over here, and they said, do you know how many students we have involved throughout the church? So they're in the mixing room and back, online, upstairs, cameras, children's church, everywhere. They're everywhere. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. <clears throat> Thanks for being here today. It started to rain outside just a little bit. But summer's coming, spring's coming. Let me ask you this question. What comes to your mind when we talk about freedom? Because that's where we are today. In this series, we're called, called Rerouting. So as followers of Jesus, we're looking at how the world might look at freedom, how Jesus looks at freedom, and rerouting our thinking or beginning to think differently. But let me just share with you what freedom might look for some, right? So for, for parents, it might, freedom might look like sending your kids back to school after spring break. Yeah, okay, there you go right there. Maybe, maybe, right? I know some of you are in between uh, spring break and so on like that. But for students, right, maybe freedom looks like, like getting out of the house, right? Students getting off to college or out of the home, yes? You, see, you are very, very smart. You guys are very smart. Just say nothing. Don't get yourself in trouble. But that, that maybe looks like freedom for some. I know it was for me. Okay. Or how about this? <clears throat> for, for others heading into the retirement years, right? And out of the workforce. And you are now free to do and to be anything that you want to be. And uh, you, you'd add to that list, you know, freedom. I want to talk about freedom today. Let me share with you just kind of some honest moments for just a second. I, there has never been, at least for a long, long time, teaching that I have struggled with so much as what I want to share with you today. So I've, I've, um, the last couple of weeks, I, I, I told part of our team, and, and Jen, like I have woken up at night, I'm praying, Jesus, what is it that you, you want to speak to us about in this area of freedom today? Because I have this deep sense that so many of us are walking not in the freedom that God has for you and for me. There are many people in the world today and people that you're connected with in, in your workplace and around that do not know the freedom of Jesus. And then there's a... a an enslavement that sometimes we find ourselves in, even as followers of Jesus. And I want to talk about that. So we can talk about what freedom might look like and these things and maybe a few other things. But unfortunately, our culture today is defining freedom as the absence of any moral restraint and a complete freedom to be who I want to be and when I want to be it. So I want to talk about that today and what does it look like and what's the biblical foundation that you and I stand on as followers of Jesus? That's really the question we must always come back to. This is why you hear me say, we, we must have a biblical worldview. What is it that does the Bible say? What is it that you and I today need to look at through the lens of God's word to understand this whole area of freedom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, it's coming up on the screen. You might have your Bible, your digital Bible, but it's here as well. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And I think we could insert the word mastered by anything there. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. 
And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, Paul is correcting the church. So there were a number of things going on. And so the Apostle Paul is bringing some, some, some correction. There were professing Christians in Corinth who were making claims to unrestricted freedom and that these things had no influence either on morals or one's spiritual life. They could live their life as they wanted to um, in the way that they, they would define it. That was happening and that was taking place. They would have no influence at all in their spiritual life. This is wrong thinking. Christian liberty is not an open excuse for any behavior or attitude. There was a presumption upon uh, the, the, the grace of God. Um, we, can, we can do anything uh, we want because, you know, God will forgive us, and God is a forgiving God. It was like living in the time of the judges all over again, and maybe if you're a Bible reader, um, you will recognize this passage of Judges 21, the scripture. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Or maybe you've heard it this way, right? You, you probably have this little phrase, like it's better to ask for what? Permission than forgiveness and kind of living out our life in, in that way. But what we discover is something that I want to talk to you about today and it's this. We discover that our so-called <clears throat> freedoms quickly become the thing that enslaves us and we are in fact no longer free. Just think about that for just a moment. The freedoms that we find ourselves living in can often be the thing that enslaves us or masters us or dominates us. And Jesus wants us to walk in freedom. We can talk about many, many different examples. It's, it's easy to list the big sins, right, in the world today. So um, uh, drugs, we have the freedom to involve ourselves in drugs and what we discover is that when we do, we're, we find that we're actually enslaved to that. Pornography, sexual promiscuity, <clears throat> lifestyle choices of all, of all kinds. Um, and the list can go on and on. They're big. How about worry? I'll talk about that in just a little bit. How about those things that we often don't, don't talk about? Those things that can master us, that can dominate our thinking, even as followers of, of Jesus. Our so-called freedoms become our masters in life. There was a man, Jesus tells a story, who found himself in this exact position. Like, he had done, I mean, like, if you were to look at this guy, like, he'd go like, no, that's the guy I want to be like right there. I mean, like, this guy doesn't do anything wrong. This guy right here, he, he, uh, he's the guy that you want your son to be like or your daughter to be, to be like, right? And so <clears throat> Jesus questions him, though. Now, just listen. Um, Jesus was on, on a journey, and a man runs up to him, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's, that's, a, that's a good question, right? That's the right question. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And he goes like, you know the commandments. Now, you got to get your head into the picture here and the scene, what's going on, because I think what's happening here is that, again, if we were there looking at this scene from the outside and just observing, I think you would find a really pleased young guy, you know, here um, in all that's going on, because I, like, I got that, I got that. It's like, if, it's like, they, like these students up here, like, 
this guy is the perfect student, right? The guy, perfect guy. So um, God, Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? You know the commandments, do not murder. And he goes, check that box. Haven't done that, right? I haven't murdered. Do not commit adultery. Check that box. Yeah, haven't done that. Do not steal. And you can just see as this guy's talking to Jesus, right? Like his face, I think, is starting to brighten up because I, I have never stole anything. Do not bear false witness. Haven't done that either. Um, do not steal, right? And, and do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. And now he's thinking, I wonder how long Jesus is going to go on here because like I'm doing really, really well. And finally Jesus says, honor your father and mother. And he goes, bingo, I've done it. I've got there. Until after his response of, teacher, I've done all these things since my youth. So it's like, that's how good I've been right there. It's like, it's just not like who I am right now today. Like, I've done all of those things since my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And you know what the next line says in my Bible and in your Bible? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What is it that you begin to see? That this very thing that was his freedom suddenly became the very thing that enslaved him. Rather than owning his possessions, his possessions owned him. Rather than he being the master over his possessions, his possessions mastered him. They dominated him. The freedom to involve ourselves in life-controlling habits, not honoring of the Lord, soon become the thing that enslaves us, and we are no longer free. We claim freedom, but now we've discovered that we are no longer walking in freedom because these are the things that have enslaved us. Jesus said this way in John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, emphasis on practice, right? We all mess up, yes? Look to your neighbor and say, you mess up. Okay, you, you all mess up. We all mess up. Anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, or those who have involved in ongoing, regular, habitual, sinful action, practice it, or I would just say be a slave to sin. It's an illustration of slave-master relationship. With sin as our master, we are no longer free and we're unable to resist it. And so here's what we discover, that with every act of disobedience, we further alienate ourselves and trend to further disobedience that makes escape humanly impossible. Now, I'm going to give you a phrase. I'm going to have you repeat it just a second, because if you forget everything that I said, say today, I just want you to remember this one thing, and I want you to kind of think on it and kind of mull it over, right? So when you're heading to wherever you go, like to, maybe you're going to go out to eat around the table. You mull over this phrase I'm going to give you, or you're at home, or wherever you are, you're driving your car, and it's this right here. We need freedom from our freedoms. Say it with me. We need freedom from our freedoms. And we'll talk about what that looks like. We need freedom from our freedom. Because after Jesus shares this, he goes on to also say, right, he says like, Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. He says, so the Son sets you free, you will be free 
Indeed. God wants each of us, and God wants you to live free. Amen? And freedom has everything to do with the presence of God in your life and the presence of God in my life, not the absence of God. So we're going to talk about freedom in, two, uh, in, in the context of two things. One, living life without him. But what about the follower of Jesus who finds himself or herself kind of enslaved into some life that Jesus is calling us out, out of? God wants all of us to live free. And this freedom has everything to do with the presence of Jesus in your life and mine. People throughout the world um, have experienced this exact same thing. My prayer, and even yesterday, I've encouraged those who joined together with um, prayer night for the Ukraine. I, I said, look, this is my prayer, and I just kind of pass it on to you. Three Ps. I, I pray for um, that, that all in Ukraine and uh, Afghanistan, really Christians throughout the, throughout the world would experience divine protection. That's the first P. Then I pray for divine provision. That's the second P. God provide everything that's needed. But then I pray for the third P, the presence of Jesus right where you are. That in this moment in your life, um, wherever you are, and, and it f- feels like God is far away, I pray that the presence of Jesus would be so sweet in your life. And I pray that for you as well today. Corey Ten Boom said this, if it's dark everywhere, you can become so discouraged. You might doubt whether light still exists, but even if you can't see the Lord, he sees you and me. Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When it's necessary, he suddenly says, I'm still here. I'm still here. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives means that as our love for God grows and through the power and working of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to resist the sin that seeks to enslave us. Again, do we sin? Yes. Do we mess up? Yes. Is Jesus still with us? Yes. Yes, he is. The hope of real freedom lives in the action of a loving God who sent his son to secure our freedom, the freedom that is only found in Christ. And so as a result, we are both free from and free to. We are free from death's grip of sin, and we are free to worship the Lord. We are free. Our problem is we look to the outside to deal with the problem on the inside. We kind of look to our actions, right, to deal with this thing that enslaves. So we look to our wisdom because, you know, like, I can figure this thing out, right? Or we look to our own abilities because, you know, we have the abilities, right, to get ourselves out of the situation that we're in. So I can work myself out of this. We have the understanding. and We look to the outside to deal with the inside. Let me share with you a story of John chapter 5. There was a man that was... um, laying beside the pool of Bethesda. You can read about it in John chapter 5. And uh, Jesus comes along, and he's there for 38 years. Now, that's a long time to be laying there as an invalid. And Jesus comes along, and he's, he's he's going to do something that this man cannot do for himself. This, this man is, is I'll just call it, 
right? He's, he's, he's enslaved to his own physical disability. He's laying there with the hope of being made well, uh, with the hope because there's this superstition that the angel is going to come down and like stir the water. And if you can be the first one in there, you'll experience healing. And by the way, and I know you probably didn't go look now after I say this, but in your Bible, most translations, you won't find verse four of John chapter five. Um, and I don't know where you're going to look. And I see some of you looking right now. Um, after, after this, there was a feast of Jews and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has the uh, fiber of colonnade. Verse number three, in these days, in these, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Then verse number five, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him there, he says, like, what's, what's going on? He says, sir, I have no way of getting into the water. I can't, I can't do it my, myself. He's trapped. And Jesus says to him, like, do you want to be healed? And you're kind of like, well, what, what kind of a question is that? The sick man, man answers, I don't have anyone to throw me into the water, help me into the water when it's stirred. Um, and Jesus says to him, get up and take your bed and walked and walked. This man had no ability on his own to deal with the thing that had trapped him in all life. He had no ability. Healing would not come at the hand of man, but only at the hand of God. Freedom from his own crippled life would only come with the words of Jesus himself that said, get up and take your bed and walk. It was only at that moment that he experienced freedom. Man could have come along, <clears throat> tossed him into the water, nothing would have happened. He'd have been the same invalid coming out of the water that he was when he went in. It was only at the hand of Jesus. I think that you and I can probably identify with the beggar. We want change in our life, but we are powerless to bring it about. We have tried. We have worked hard at it. But what we have discovered is that we need freedom from the thing that enslaves us and perhaps freedom from our our freedoms, we are not free. But what we discover is this, and what we discover from this story is that true freedom comes only at the hand of God. Amen. The Israelites were in, were in um, captivity. Go back to the Exodus story. Um, they've increased in number and in strength. And the Bible says this, the land was filled with them. And a new king began to rule who did not know Joseph, didn't know the, the, the whole story, and became fearful of the number and the might of the Israelites. And so he moved them into slavery. Right? So they were now mastered. They grew during this oppression, and as a result, they were persecuted. And during this time, the guys you remember and know that Moses is born, all part of God's plan. Moses had grew and lived in the land. Just listen to Exodus chapter 2 as I, I read it to you, verses 23 through 25. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And the reason they cried out for help because they recognized that they couldn't do it on their own. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And one of my favorite parts 
of the Bible is this, and God knew. And God knew. God saw that they were enslaved. God heard their groaning. God saw how they were being treated, and God knew he was not absent. God speaks through Moses through a burning bush, what's called a theophany. Like, so here's God in the, in showing himself, manifesting himself in a burning bush. We know it's not consumed, right? And after instructing Moses to remove his sandals, because he's standing on holy ground here, he says this, Exodus chapter 7, verses 7 through 10. And the Lord said, I, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, um, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with, the with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Do you see what's happening? Here they are in slavery. God says, I hear, I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them. Deliverance would only come at the hand of God. After some convincing, now, if you're a Bible reader, you know there was this little discussion, argument, um, debating, negotiation between Moses and God, right? And uh, Moses said, I can't do that. I can't talk well. And God says, okay, I'll send Aaron along. And uh, so he does that, and God begins to move against the Egyptians. And Moses soon learned to trust the hand of God uh, in bringing the, the deliverance to his people. This was not something that they could do on their own. Like the Israelites, we have no power to deal with the slavery that we find ourselves in. And I know that this morning I, I will be talking to, I don't know, our online campus, to, to, to you. we're followers of Jesus, but there is something that we have found that enslaves us. I told you that it's so easy to talk about the big sins, right? Like, we can name the big sins in the, in the world. Like, I don't murder. Go back to the guy. I didn't murder her. I've, I've never committed adultery. I've, you know, sexual promiscuity. No, 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 no. Um, talking about, no, I don't do any of those things. But all of a sudden, we find that there's something that we're enslaved with. And for me, it was this whole life of worry. That enslaved me. I was the guy who could worry like wallpaper off the wall. <laughs> and if you're like that, you know what that life's like. So I, I, could, I could try and figure things out, but it, it depended upon me figuring everything out. If I couldn't, if I couldn't figure it out, then I, I sense no freedom. I could worry about the little things. They didn't have to be big things. <laughs> you know, they say like 98% or something like that of the things that you worry about never come true. And it never made a difference to me. 
I, I was enslaved by that. I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, I trust him. But I found myself trapped in this place. I was mastered by worry. Dominated by worry. I needed freedom from worry. And maybe you're sitting here and maybe, maybe worry is not your deal. Maybe fear is. Maybe there's something else that like you would never tell anyone else. You're a follower of Jesus. There are many of you who, who walk in freedom. And I'm going to do a little commercial here for in a second because I'm going to bring up a slide right now. It's just, it's just an encouragement um, to be a part of a team that we're putting together that will help others lead others into freedom from the story of Moses and the Exodus, the Israelites. And I'm going to ask you to, to text RESCUE to that number you see on the screen right now, 360-209-8040, and be a part of a team that will be equipped. Dave and I are going to be leading a course called RESCUE, and we want numbers of you to say, like, I want to be a part of that team. I want to help others discover freedom. Or if you're trapped and you want to, you want to be a part of this, you, you come. Rescue, 360-209-8040. I know numbers did at the, at the last gathering, and I pray that you do too. We're going to be talking about this um, and, and, and sharing the course um, after Easter. So text that out because you have experienced freedom. And like Moses, God wants to use you to help to help others. In the following chapters, um, we read about the plagues and the hardening of the heart of Pharaoh and finally the night of the first Passover, the night of the 10th plague. And I suppose what we could probably do, um, it, we could remember the, the, the plagues, um, but they were there and they were real. But the night of the Passover, the night, this would be the night that the Lord would pass over the households that showed the blood. Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 23. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts and the blood that is in your basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Let me ask you a question that was asked to myself and my, my group of guys by our friend Dick Brogdon, he says, in, in seven words or less, describe salvation without using the cross from the Old Testament. Now, I couldn't do it. I actually don't think any of us could do it. But then, then he shared us with us seven words. Here they are right here. God saved us from God for God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. God saved us. And you go like, what do you mean God saved us from God? Just think about it. God saved us from God, for God. Let me expand it just a little bit. God saved us from the wrath of God for the joy of God. How? Through the blood. Through the blood. How did he do that? Through the blood. It all points to Jesus, who is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 
Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our what? Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Freedom has been experienced at the hand of God who sent his son Jesus into the world. So you and I can live free. We cannot save ourselves. We must trust in the one who has secured our freedom in Christ at the hand of Father God and gives us a brand new identity and a brand new freedom to live out this life of Jesus and to be freedom bearers in the world today, to be people who carry the gospel story, the gospel message of freedom to a world that is trapped by their freedoms. Speaking about our true identity in Christ, N.T. Wright says this, what comes to light is not just a diagnosis of the problem, that is, we need help. The analysis of sin as a form of slavery, the sign that idols are being worshipped and that people are in their grip. There is also a remedy. The powers are to be defeated, and when that is done through Jesus' death, those who have been held captive by them can be released at last. Amen? That's why we sing, and that's why we, we worship. We've talked about some of the Bible stories over the last number, number of weeks. We've talked about the woman caught in adultery, right? How Jesus sets her free. We talked about the woman at the, at the well, and there are the stories after story where Jesus comes onto the scene and, and, and delivers freedom that wasn't known before. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, where might you be enslaved? And secondly, what do you need to seek the freedom that only Jesus can do? I share with you my little story. I, I probably have, I, I got more. <laughs> well, how about you? I want, I want to talk to two groups of people. Um, because I am passionate about people living free. I'm passionate, and I know that you are too, I pray that we are, of delivering this gospel story, this good news of the gospel. Jesus has come into the world. That God looked down at you and me, like the Israelites, and go like, I, I see, I see them. I see them in there. They're walking in darkness. And so I'm going to send my son Jesus into the world. And I'm going to do it for you, and you, and you, and you, and all of you, and all of you online, and Everyone that we meet, I'm going to send my son Jesus to deliver you from something that you cannot deliver yourself from, and that's from a life of sin. And I know that on, on, on a, a day like today, um, that most of us are, are, are probably followers of Jesus, but I'm not going to presume on, on that. Do you know him? Have you experienced the freedom that only Jesus can do? Like the invalid, like we have no capacity at all to save ourselves. None. Though they're thinking in a world like, if I can just do this, I can do this, I'll just be good enough at this. No, that won't do you any good at all. You can't be good enough. You can't. Good works will get you nowhere. Good works will make you look good. <clears throat> the guy with all the money, look good. But there was something in his heart. It's the heart. And Jesus comes to give you a brand new heart. And so I'm first going to pray for those of you who might not know him. 
who have never committed your life to Jesus. Now, I've said it this way, like, uh, uh, continue to say, there, there are no magic words, right? It's like, oh, I screwed up the words. No. It's not like words in the right order. First John 1 9 says, if I confess my sins to him, he's faithful and just, he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So have you done that? Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord? Now, I'm going to pray that prayer, and I'm going to invite you to, to join me, kind of maybe reflect, and, and, and maybe the answer is no, I'm, I've never done that. Now, some, some did it at a young age, some at an older age. The good news is it doesn't make any difference what your story is, because the story of Jesus doesn't change. came into the world so that you and I could live free, and then we could be um, freedom bearers. We could share that good news of the gospel. I'm going to pray for you first, and, th and then I'm going to pray for all of us because maybe we have found ourselves, maybe you're the worrier. We should start a worry club, right? And you, you need freedom from that because that, that thing has enslaved you. Maybe you have participated in a freedom because you could, and you have found yourself trapped. Jesus wants you to experience freedom. And then we're going to gather around the table today. We'll call it a table of freedom today. How's that? So will you join me in prayer? So Father, I pray right now for those who perhaps have never crossed that line, never crossed that, crossed that line of faith, never ever said, Jesus, I confess my sin to you. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Say, God, I, I confess my sin to you and my need for you. I want to make you Lord of my life. He promises that if we just lift up that simple prayer to Him from our heart, He will make us a brand new person. We will walk in freedom that we have never known before. He grants to us an eternity with Him. And God, thank you for the promise of salvation. Thank you for the promise of hope. If you prayed that prayer, you're free. You are free. I'm going to pray for those of us who maybe have found ourselves trapped or maybe there's something that we've never shared with anyone. We say, God, I, I just can't get out of this that I'm in. His body was broken that we might be made whole in every way. I'm just going to pray for release. I'm going to pray that you will experience freedom from whatever it is that has trapped you. And then we're going to take the bread and we're going to receive that today. You got a concern? Is that it? A worry, a fear, something else? Jesus, we receive freedom in your name. Your body, Lord, was broken that we might be made whole in every way. So we receive freedom in your name. Let's take the bread together, shall we? And then let's don't rush through the cup this morning. We were in chapel last week with our team here. We talked about how we so often kind of rush through this moment, right? And recognizing the shed blood of, of Jesus who granted us freedom from our sins. And we take a moment today and, and just meditate on what it means. It's freedom. we free in Jesus. We are free to share the good news of the gospel. Amen.
Let's take it together, shall we? Lord, we thank you today that we are free people, not of our own doing, but only at your hand, in Jesus' name. Now, let's stand together, shall we? And at home or wherever you are, let's just join together. And we're going to lift this song, and we're going to sing from the very top of our lungs. Listen, I don't care if you can carry a tune or not. We're free people. Amen. Let's lift it to him.